Hello, everybody, and welcome to This is the Pits, the podcast where we talk about Brad Pitt's hair and the rest of his body <laughs> and career. My name is Michael Oberst, and that over there is Chelsea Greenwood. Hello, everybody. It's so great to be here on this Sunday. Um, I think that today is the Drunk Irish Holiday. What's that called? Oh, yeah. It's Straight Pride. It's Straight Pride. Uh, St. Patrick's St. Day. St. Patrick's Day. Well, that yeah. is a joy. Isn't it just like the worst holiday? <laughs> I mean, I am having a beer in solidarity, but I am not going to leave my house. Yeah, but that's because you're that's an alcoholic, good. not because you celebrate the holiday. Yeah, but I mean, someone called this the alcoholic's holiday. Oh, so <laughs> and straight pride. What's the difference? Yeah. Um, so today we're talking about a movie called Babel, and it is a downer. It's a downer, <laughs> but it's a doozy. And I, it really stuck with me. I've been thinking about it a lot, which I think is a good time for a movie. Definitely. It's a good, I mean, it's for sure Oscar bait, but it's a good still a good movie i mean That's i his really whole vibe is oscar bait but i'm okay with it because he makes good movies as far as yeah I'm so um how's your week been chelsea let's before we get too deep into this depressing shit tell me about something nice that happened during your week well let's see i don't know man i've been working i've been i don't know if i've told our listeners that i started a new job <laughs> I left corporate America. I lasted three months in corporate America before I got <laughs> before I needed to go back to production. Um, and I've just been kind of going to work, and you know. Well, that's a really fascinating story. Watching Brad Pitt again. movies. I was really thrilled to watch this one. I was I was nervous about watching it because I thought it was going to be a, a war movie about I Iraq. I also thought it was a Iraq war movie, and it's weird because I had seen this movie, and I was like, Ugh, I'm not. I don't want to see a fucking war movie. But then it wasn't. But it's, no, it's. I mean, it's some of it's based in the Middle East, but it's not a war movie. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, and I think that the movie would speak to the fact that we just assumed it was a war movie because it was based in the Middle East. Well, it's 2005 is the year. That it was six. getting made. Well, yeah. it was made in 2005, released in 2006. You know, the, the director, um, Inaratu, has been – is that how you say his name? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Love, I, I love him. And he has been working on the script for a few years. So I don't know. It's like that time period is like prime war movie time. Totally. We're in the thick of it. It's a really weird time, 2006. Uh, before I get into it, though, do you have anything that you'd like to tell me about in your life that's exciting? Um, it's sunny and warm in L.A. finally. So, uh, and also, I have finally. It's always sunny and warm in L.A. <laughs> that is so not true. It for the last like two months, it has been cold and rainy all the time. It hasn't cracked seventy-five or seventy even in at least a month. Oh it's man, been... we got up to sixty-five here. And I was so excited, and I was, like, shuffling down the street, listening to my music, like one of those fucking early iPod commercials, like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> well, you're just a silhouette of yourself. I was a silhouette of myself. I was dicking and dancing around. I was, like, even said okay to meet a friend in fucking Times Square, which is the nightmare hellscape of the universe. Wow. But because the weather had changed so drastically, I got a migraine and had to go home and didn't get to celebrate <laughs> the hot, warm weather. And Aww. when I woke up, it was snowing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ready oh, for that's about definitely right. ready for for spring. Yeah, I'm super ready for it. I'm also ready to be back in production too because I'm in sort of corporate America, and basically I'm not in production right now. And um, I have resorted to making slow motion videos of bees 
flying around oh, no. <laughs> on trees outside of my house. I saw that. And because I'm dying to do, I'm tr- I'm dying to shoot something. So <laughs> come here. See how long I, I, I have last. Plenty doing. of work for you out here, genuinely. Oh, over there where you just told me it's like seven degrees all the time. <laughs> yeah, and but I not just for told long. you it's like a nice. 75 and sunny with not yes, a single cloud. Yes, but the, the payoff sky. is better here. You know, the reward of the warmth. You just you just appreciate it more here. I know, having lived in both LA and New York. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. the best and I know everything. That's what <laughs> I want to tell you. Well, that's what this podcast is about. It's really about us knowing everything. And being the best at knowing everything. Even when I can't even recall the name of a hugely famous holiday <laughs> within the first two minutes of this podcast. Can't recall the name of uh, <laughs> that one of like four of the movies that we've watched. I can't remember the names. Oh, of them. six of them. This is episode <laughs> twenty-seven. I fudged last week, and I I got a little trigger happy, and I said that Mr. and Mrs. Smith was twenty-seven, when in fact it was twenty-six. Oh, that's super embarrassing for uh, for well, for you mostly. But okay. um, so should we talk about Babel? Well, let me tell you about the world in which Babel premiered. Oh, okay. It's actually, there's not a lot going on, but there are hugely significant things that sort of shift the world to the way it is now. Okay. Um, and there's one significant thing that shifts Brad's life, but we'll get oh, to that. Well, there's so much to talk about in Brad's life. And I know. It's just. Uh, let me just let me just lay this out here. Um, okay. So Walt Disney bought Pixar from Lucasfilms for $7.4 billion. That is why we now have a million new Star Wars movies wait that happened in oh that i feel like that was somewhat recent 2006 is recent like we're in the world of our life now i'm in 2006 i'm living in brooklyn like fucking and sucking and drugging and funning around right <laughs> as an old lady you know i was like working full-time at this point yeah yeah you were you were basically a grown-up oh big time i look just as old as brad pitt did in this movie um <laughs> you look just as old as you do now you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. You're the best and everybody knows it. Um, <laughs> so what else happened? Oh, Cheney accidentally shot that guy in the woods, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah, the fucking vice president. Oh, my God, that's so crazy that that actually happened. I know. The vice president <laughs> shot a man. Just shot a random guy, a lawyer. Um, so funny. Love that that happened. I can't believe that happened. Yeah. I, have you seen Vice, by the way? I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch it really bad because I love all of the actors in it. And I think Chaney is so funny. I always, I hated him. I used to do all these paintings in college of him as a woman. As if that was like a bad thing. Blast it. You got him. Yeah, I really, really was deep back His then. His worst punishment is that he could be a woman. <laughs> I was like, I would paint him with all these like big red ruby lips and like really sexual. Anyway. That's that to well. Trump too. People will like make Trump a drag queen and like Photoshop him as a drag queen and be like, ha you look like a girl. The amount that I hate Donald Trump compared to the amount that I hated Cheney and Bush is like insane. I didn't know I had the capacity for such anger and hatred as I do. Anyway, this is not a politics. If you can even no, call it's them not politicians. A politics. And I don't think anybody truly knows how we feel about politics. No, we shouldn't, <laughs> we shouldn't let anybody know how we feel. Anyway, no, so yeah. 2006, the Blu-ray disc was formally released in the United States along with the Nintendo Wii, changing the way that I worked out for an entire year. Um, an entire year? Oh, yeah. Me and my roommates, we had like fucking, I was Wii bowling. I was Wii sportsing. I was Wii fitnessing almost every day. I didn't leave my house really a lot back then. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, wow. I remember I remember uh, getting the Wii, or I didn't get it, but like playing the Wii 
doing the sports thing, and and then I just kind of sort sort of felt like, so this is it, huh? No. So it's just. But it was it. That was it. No, because were you the champion bowler of all of Brooklyn? I don't think so. You can were imagine you? the high I felt. My ball was golden. <laughs> no one was as good as we bowler as me. <laughs> okay. So. Are you still? Do you still have the touch? Do you still have the golden ball? I don't have a Wii anymore. It was my ex-boyfriend's. My point is, I've never been good at video games or sports. Ever. And then all of a sudden, I was good at sports and video games. Oh, but I would Oh, my God. Chelsea Greenwood. I'm learning so much every day. Episode 27, (laughs) I'm still learning. Yeah, I had a golden ball. (laughs) Anyway, uh, my last thing is that... uh, Okay, so the last, like, technological thing is that Google bought YouTube for $1.6 billion. I feel like that was also recent. Yeah, that happened. And that's not that expensive, considering that um, Walt Disney bought Pixar from lucas for 7.4 billion like think about youtube man youtube is the maybe way of the future maybe but like can you remember because i don't remember do you remember if youtube had ads on their site back in 2006 it didn't it did not and then it got bought by google google saw potential in youtube that youtube independently never saw oh my god and google was able to grow it to what it is now because now it would sell for a fuckload of money I mean, a billion dollars or whatever this you just said is still a lot of money. One billion dollars is not a lot of money in that world. In that world, it's not. Right. To me, I guess Instagram was bought by Facebook for a billion dollars, too. But same thing. Instagram, when it was bought by Facebook, that was like three years ago. No, it was was not three years ago. It was like six years ago. Instagram bought by Facebook? Instagram was bought by Facebook when I started using it, which was like 20... 2010 11 2011 i think it was 2012 oh wow so you're right that was seven years ago yeah that's what i'm saying now that we're in the early 2000s it's like it's all one fucking time warp i sort of thought that the time periods would move slower because brad pitt's doing more movies but i'm finding he's doing less movies and the time is moving faster Oh my god, time is time keeps on slipping. I'm in a real musical mood today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, two more things. Big things. So it was the start of the United States housing bubble when a total of one million two hundred and fifty nine thousand oh, yeah. one hundred and eighteen foreclosures were filed <sighs> during two thousand six. Can you Holy imagine forty two percent from fuck. that was up forty two percent from two thousand and five. I a little bit wish that would happen again. Oh my it's going to, don't worry. But the thing is, is that the housing bubble burst like the burst happened in in the summer of 2006 right before this movie came out starting like the full-blown market meltdown that happened that took years to recover from in 2007 yeah now bringing it to pop culture and slowly getting into brad's life uh moses bruce anthony martin son of chris martin and gwyneth paltrow was born that year along with suri cruz daughter of tom cruise and katie holmes so we're having celebrity babies popping out you know who else was born that born that year hmm their first baby, Shiloh, Shiloh Jolie Pitt. Shiloh Jolie Pitt, the most beautiful child ever to grace the planet of Earth, was born that year. It's fucked up. Yeah. It is Shiloh fucked. was born May 27th, 2006. So we went from 2005 with Mr. and Mrs. Smith, them like not even saying they were together, to them having a baby. I couldn't close the gap during my research on that. Did you? No, I couldn't. Um, I I sort of was more focused on... 
the movie itself and not yeah. so much Brad's life. But I did do a little bit of of poking around about Brad's life, and <laughs> I didn't really see much. I mean, about... no, he's doing so much at this time. Well, I mean, I didn't see much about what I was trying to find. Like, and I was trying to find that gap. But you know, what's hard is that, and this is something that we keep encountering, is that so much of his life is chronicled in tabloids. Yeah, and we aren't. We don't have those, and those those files aren't all online, or at least not the way that they're shown. Like the covers yeah. and the cover stories aren't always shown unless it's an actual story. People Magazine has a pretty good catalog of their old stories, yeah, and so does like Entertainment Weekly. But like Entertainment Weekly know. and Esquire had some real choice. There were some great articles this this week. I was at a yeah. real research hole. Yeah, yeah, no, there were definitely some good articles. One written by Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt himself wrote an article. Let's talk about it. What's it called? (laughs) Like 15 things I like. (laughs) He says, my list, 15 things I think everyone should know. Oh, Uh, they're so. Number one, the drug war. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like he's so serious. He he takes himself so seriously sometimes. It's Angelina. I can hear her. It's true. (laughs) Number one, the drug war. (laughs) Number two, adoption. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because we have to we have to say that not only did he have his own biological child, but he also adopted her two kids, Maddox oh. and Zahara. Hold on, I also would like to 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 read one of his fifteen things that he says. Please, because after the drug war and adoption, number three is uh. Carol's daughter hair products. And first of all, what a big jump! Please, from <laughs> adoption and the drug war to Carol's Please daughter hair products. Please read this line. It's and like the who line the is, fuck do you think you are, Brad? I know the line for the reason why he thinks you should know fifteen. Carol's daughter hair products is because he says <laughs> for white people who might be having a little trouble with black person hair hair Carol's daughter is a fantastic hair product we got it for Z now her hair has this beautiful luster and it smells nice too and then on to number four a new paradigm <laughs> nature consumes and then reuses there's a cycle of things but you know, it was just consumed between adoption and a new paradigm is carol's daughter hair products and then we go on to hear about the perfect mattress marriage which hey 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 i remember this time and he said angie and i will consider trying tying the knot when everyone else in the country who wants to be married is legally able and i remember okay. but back before the world where gay marriage was an illegal thing People were saying that left and right, and I think that they stuck to it. I don't think they got they married did. until after gay rights. They did, but I think also, did it, I mean, did it have that much to do with gay marriage, honestly? Or were they just so serious about themselves I've never that everything seen had to have a cause? a pair of more serious people in my life. It is absolutely shocking. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> I was thinking about this because... I liked my... him with Gwen way more. He was way more <laughs> oh, fun with Gwen. Oh, and Jen! And Jen, well, but Jen also had a seriousness to her because they were so fucking famous that yeah. they had to be serious about that. But they were so boring compared to this because, like, this is a treasure trove for the eyes and ears to, to read about. Because it's like, here's the thing. They're so fucking serious. But truthfully, he's doing amazing things with her. He's, like, building yeah. green. He's, like, he like they, starting charities and, like, building schools and they're shit. They're donating I mean, it's great. so much money. Um, I also just love that he writes... You know, one of his 15 things, building green. And then immediately following building green is <laughs> the ultimate diaper rash cream. Shiloh's six week old now. She's got a horrible diaper rash. Poor thing. Ugh, it, this is Esquire. Fuck? Good God. <laughs> no, you forgot about three things I've learned about parenting within the 15 things I like list. True. That's cheating. That's yeah. 18 things 
fucker. Or Burping your baby. Great. Really fascinating stuff. And then motorcycles. And then two follow- different kinds of motorcycles. Yes, I have choppers. <laughs> That's what he says. Think of the motorcycles. Yes, I have choppers. One is really low. But There's then after a big he, tire in front of you, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then he he prom- promotes Jack White and the raconteurs, <laughs> which um, I mean, I feel he loves that. the raconteurs. He's talked about them a lot of times. I love the raconteurs. Who but does then it? He goes on. Supergroup. Also, he talks about the Jewish Museum. I mean, he's just <laughs> like. It, Following his like gushing about motorcycles and how cool he is for feeling like Doctor Strangelove on a motorcycle, he then says the Jewish Museum. (laughs) (laughs) He's just ridiculous. Anyway, he's so serious. Um, And he's so so serious directly because of Angelina. They're gallivanting around Africa. They've like birthed their baby in the Saharan desert because Brad claims because he he was like, can you imagine the media circus of having a, a baby in the Western world? As if like. That would be the hardest thing he could possibly do. So he goes to the Saharan Desert so that Shiloh can have an African passport. And he's like, we're all we're both very proud of that. And this is like he's become an actual joke of himself, like the star of Brad. It's like now we're just like, wow, 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 wow. Like you fucking love the smell of your own farts. And you also (laughs) love the smell of Angelina's farts. And together you're just farting out babies and. The one saving grace is that they're giving lots of money away and helping. Thank to God, because the if they weren't, Can you if imagine? they weren't, people would be like, you know, like they would be. They're already the source of nonstop criticism, but they would be double the criticism if they were also doing nothing yeah. while, you know, yeah, like practically breaking a rib trying to suck their own dicks. It's an amazing thing, though. Too, I don't know if this happened to you. So, fuck Jerry posted a post about how Brad Pitt always looks like his girlfriends. It's something we've seen before. And now, oh yeah, fuck Jerry the joke stealer. Yeah, did you see that? Because I saw that because literally every single one of my friends, I think fifteen different people, sent me a screenshot of this thing, which oh, I will yeah. now post, even though fuck Jerry and fuck fuck him, but whatever. Um, at this point, Brad is now emulating the Angelina, which is dour, serious. Mm-hmm. He's producing a movie that she's in. That's the other thing we need to mention is that. Plan B Productions is like popping off. He's producing The Departed right now. Which and won Best Picture. Did it win Best Picture? Yeah. And Best Director. And Best Director. And he was supposed to be in it. Mm-hmm. But he dropped out to do Babel because he really wanted to work with Inaratu. And because his kids are all from different countries and he felt a similarity in his life. What? Yeah. He was like, my kids are from three different countries and this story takes place in four different countries. And so it like, I can draw a parallel there that humanity is just the same. And like, you know, we're all the same. And some of us are just like, have more, whatever, whatever. Let's talk about the movie. Let's talk, let's talk about the movie. Um, okay. So maybe we should give a brief for those who haven't seen it. Cause I think a lot of people haven't seen this movie, which they should. It's a really valuable movie to see. I, I really liked it. It's a, Film. I will just it's start by film. saying it is a artsy fartsy party. I don't know if it's film. artsy fartsy. It's just a serious movie, which Brad has never done a movie okay, like right. this before. Okay, you're right. You're right. Uh, I take it back. It's not artsy fartsy. It is, but it is. Um, it's a film. I mean, it's Inaratu like being super cinematic. It's very cinematic. It's and... shot on film. It's shot in 35 millimeter, except for the Brad parts. A shot in 16 millimeter and it was all handheld they didn't use a single stabilizer or 
I know. Did you see that fun fact about the grips? Yeah. Joey D. Here's... Joey D worked with us on When We Rise. Wait, Joey D? Joey Deanda. He was the key grip? Mm-hmm. Whoa. Well, okay. For Okay. I love grips, and I always say this, that I love grips because they Get are... Get a grip, Michael. They're just magical little creatures who can do anything. They somehow... <laughs> They know how to do every single thing. And if you need something to get done on set, you ask a grip and they have they have something for it. Yeah, they know um, how to they know how to put things on things. So yeah, someone's car got broken into on a shoot one time and we told the grips and they fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it made me so happy. They're like a happy little trove, jumping trove. Yeah, so the story for this one though is that they were trying to do a shot where the the director of photography was walking backwards handheld holding the camera and he kept tripping and Inaratu was adamant about not putting it on a steady cam or on a dolly track or anything he, it had to be handheld and so the grips decided to just get a chair and have the dp sit in a chair and four four grips held the chair and yeah. walked backwards <laughs> i mean while the dp sat in the chair with the camera and i love that i love that image because it's such a simple and grip solution movie making at its yeah. finest. It's funny, sure. though, because you think about, like, the dolly grips, like, a huge part of a grip's job is dolly and track. So oh, yeah. there was it's no dolly and no track throughout this whole movie, which is pretty awesome. And I will say, the reason why yeah, it feels so it. filmy and the reason why it feels so, I mean, outside of the storyline and the way that it's made, because it is really, like, edge of your seat sort of gripping, the way that the storylines kind of, di like, dwindle. Um, the reason that is is because he think he thought so much about that feeling yeah. like he did that very very purposely and he would he worked his crew to the fucking bone and himself he said he said i had three pains i thought were heart attacks during production to make this film was to give birth to a boy with four heads painful and then he wow. said i'm a torturer i'm the kind of he said i'm kind of bipolar when i'm happy i'm the most excited guy in the world and he so he basically made everybody like he tortured everybody and that's how he makes his movies. He did the same thing on The Revenant and 21 Grams. He, like, is obsessed with authenticity. And it shows. It's annoying. I mean, it would be annoying to work with, I'm sure. Like, I would, I would fucking yeah, hate him, probably. that's why people want to work with him. And that's where that Oscar bait thing comes in. Because it's like, oh, I struggled to make this movie. It wasn't just for fame. Like The Revenant. Like the Revenant, Revenant, they were like, if, if he... If Leo doesn't win Best Actor for this, it's you know it's like Leo. I feel like Leo wanted to win Best Actor so bad for The Revenant in general. He wanted to win Best Actor so bad that he did The Revenant because he knew it would be a slog, and that yeah, it would be like it's it would like be one like of those things. It's like a rite. It's like a rite of passage to work on a movie so intensely. But what I liked about this movie, too, was it had the sort of Requiem for a Dream vibe where, like, everything starts out great. Everybody's happy. Well, not happy, but, you know. And then you you just yeah. know. You know the minute you see them. Oh, true. That this is all going to fucking fall right the fuck apart. The minute apart. you see the kids playing with a gun. Yeah. You go, someone's going to get shot with that gun. And you see the Mexican woman. It's just like, so the idea of this movie is, like, you know, we judge people so quickly and you know, some of us don't have the same rights as others, but like you do that in the movie, like your, your process follows that, you know? So this movie is about 
um, four different storylines that are all connected. Um, one storyline is the the starting storyline is about some kids in Morocco. I don't know if it's, it's based. Morocco. It's, it's shot in Morocco. It's but based I don't in Morocco know. too. Okay, so they're in Morocco. These these kids who are like of a farming village and they have a, a rifle, and they are supposed to use the rifle to guard their flock of goats and um from jackals i stopped for a minute and i was like what the hell is a jackal you know you hear about (laughs) jackals you don't you don't know what a jackal is i know a dr jackal it kind of looks oh good one michael (laughs) kind of looks in case anybody wants to know it kind of looks like a coyote it's like it's like a dog or it's like a dingo or a coyote it's a wild dog right a wild dog for you know but in morocco yeah um and you know and then the kids are playing with the gun and, and they decide to like try to shoot things that are far away and they shoot a um, – there's a tour bus going and they're like, I don't think these bullets work. I bet you you couldn't even hit the car. And then they shoot at the bus and it does hit the bus and then the kids run back to the camp uh, to their house, which is you know like a farming camp. And then, um, and then that opens up another storyline, which is Brad Pitt is in that bus with his wife. Kate Blanchett and um, the bullet that the kids are shooting at the bus shoot Kate Blanchett. And then this, there's this whole storyline that starts of Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt while Kate Blanchett is bleeding out. Might I just add really quickly that this is not happening in chronological order, which was another no, was really not. effective way. You're kind of jumping around the time. Like you understand how everybody's related at this point, but you see them before she gets shot. He like really fucks with the time of this whole movie is out of sequence, which is, Right. I thought really effective in the yeah, hauntingness no. of it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm just saying the, the plot chronological plot points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that happens, and then so she's bleeding, and then the, there's this whole storyline of like, how is she gonna like get medical help way out in the middle of nowhere, and then like all these other people on the bus don't want to hang out and wait. Okay, stop, please. What <laughs> the fuck? Those assholes. Yeah. This woman has been shot, but then also it's like, why don't like, okay, can I, do you mind if I call out a plot hole that kind of pissed me off throughout the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, go for it. So basically the people on the bus don't want to go. They, they don't want to stay with her in this like little tiny Moroccan village to save her life because they think that this has been a terrorist attack and they think they're going to die. Fuck these people. They're such assholes. But also Okay, this is now, over the course of the movie, this takes on, like, international fame. Like, this story, this woman in Morocco. Yeah. She's rolling around on the ground in basic dirt. She, like, smokes opium to, like, take care of herself. The cops show up to the kids with, like, within five minutes, they're storming the scene in the town next, like, next door. There's cars and people with guns and, like, so much movement happening within... Five minutes, and you're, I'm supposed to believe that she can't get out of where she's from until a helicopter comes? Well, they're saying the, the, the town over didn't have a good enough doctor to do what she needed. But what I'm saying is he had a phone, and they had police forces. Like, I understand that the doctor couldn't save her, but someone could have come and saved her easily. Yeah, you're probably right. Unless, that probably... unless they cut the sequence like they fucked with the time so much that we actually don't see the kids getting arrested until after she's been medevaced out true so but uh quick point though that the 
other storyline next to Brad Pitt's is that those kids who had the gun, then they have a whole storyline of running from the cops and trying to – because it was an accident and they're trying to like oh not God. get in trouble for it. And it's just, it's really – their storyline is very depressing. The um, whole fucking – every storyline is very depressing. Honestly, Brad and, Brad's storyline is not as depressing. I mean it's it's stressful, but it's not depressing. So the reason why they're on vacation in Morocco is to try to reconnect after the loss of their child. Right. One of their kids died. Yeah. Um, anyway, carry on with the plot lines. I just wanted to point that out because I was like, man, this is a near perfect movie to me. Like in terms of like. I will say, though, I, I think that it's. Yeah, it's a dick move that those people wanted to like leave her because she got shot. But they were scared because they're old. Yeah. White people. There's a list of things. They're old white people. Yeah. And it's post 9-11. And they thought that this was a terrorist attack. Yeah. They but you know what? Attack. Maybe. Maybe. Just Maybe. You don't go to the Middle East. But it's Morocco. It's safe. But B, there was one shot and this woman is writhing around on the ground. What do you think? You're safer to like... I would think that I would be safer in this little tiny town cut off than like driving through, you know, terrorist territory. I don't know. Whatever. 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 Anyway. Meanwhile, back in the States... Back in the States, they they have two more kids who are being babysat Elf, by their nanny. A little baby Elle Fanning. She's so cute. I'm I know. I'm going to do her on myself. <laughs> and they're being babysat by their uh, live-in nanny who is uh, played. What's her name? Amelia. Amelia. The actress's name is Adria Barraza. She's nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this role, by the way. Killed it. Um, killed it. She fucking killed it. She was so good. Um, and her and and then she her because she the girl is shot in Morocco, they aren't coming back to the States as planned. So he calls her and says, You're gonna have to stay with the kids longer because we're stuck here. And she goes, But my son's wedding is tomorrow in Mexico and I can't stay. Can you find somebody else? And they said, No. Brad Pitt's kind of a dick about it. He's like, No, you stay with those kids. And she wants to go to her son's wedding, so she decides to take the kids with her to Mexico to the wedding. And I don't know about you, that whole time that they were at the wedding, I just felt like something bad was going to happen. The whole time. The minute I saw her face, I was like, that was what I'm saying about the Requiem for a Dream thing. I saw her and I was like, oh, this woman's going to look good all fucked up roaming through the desert. <laughs> like, she... You're like... She her face looks tragic. There's, There's so much that happened too in Mexico, like during the wedding, because it takes a really long time for the bad shit to actually happen. Like, yeah. and that whole time you're waiting for it, she like starts making out with the guy. There's like all this false stuff that you think is gonna go bad. Like he shoots a yes. gun and da da da, and then what ends up happening you're is just just to, just for the sake yeah. of speeding up this part. Um, Basically, oh, yeah. what happens is, to wrap up his storyline, her cousin, Gael Garcia Bernal, who is, I love him so much. I love him so much. And he's so good at Mozart in the Jungle. Have you seen that show? I haven't, and I've been waiting to, but my point you... of this is this. Okay. He is such a good actor. He's great. And this is, he's so fucking good in this. Yeah, so he plays the, the brother or the cousin of... The um, nanny, and he ends up basically like taking them ship face back over the border, drops them off in the middle of the desert. The three, the two kids, and the Mexican lady, she's like wandering around trying to get water. She gets arrested and deported. The kids are fine, they, they get found. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a third storyline, which is Japan. We find out later that the guy who supplied the guns to the rural place in Morocco was a Japanese hunter 
a rich Japanese hunter whose wife had committed suicide. And he's father to a deaf mute who is obsessed with sex. And She's the horniest person I've ever seen. <laughs> now she... it's, it's a hard thing to talk about this movie because it's I actually so forgot about this. She's so <laughs> horny. It's, it's fucking crazy. It is. All she wants is for someone to touch her vagina. Not just, like, kiss her, but, like, fucking grope her pussy. And we are forced to look at her fucking muff for so much of this movie, and I didn't need that. She was also nominated for an Oscar for this. I know, and I'm like, for what? Just because you showed your beaver on the movie? Like, I don't want to— I think she killed it, and I think also it's it speaks to him because he—Ineratu, um, because he— had to translate from his native Spanish into English and then English into Japanese and then Japanese into fucking sign language. Yikes. That would be hard. But so anyway, that's the three stories. Brad Pitt's and his wife end up being fine. She keeps her arm, which doesn't make any sense to me. She should have lost her fucking arm. Uh, The Mexican gets deported and... The Japanese story is a little bit more complicated, but ultimately she and her father one, like connect. I will. I don't understand the Japanese story. I don't understand why we had to see it. It's just, it doesn't. I mean, it, it only vaguely ties into the other story because they say because of the, the fact that that's where the gun came from. But yeah, I guess so I want to read this quote because it's interesting because it's such a loop because the Mexican storyline and the Moroccan storyline are very, very severely connected. Like it makes a lot of sense. The Japanese storyline does feel a little bit thin. So Inaratu said, this is a long quote, but I think it's a valuable thing to sort of understand his thinking of it because you're right. Like you could do away with that whole thing. That could be its own movie. Her horniness horniness and like that whole journey that she had about trying to get fucked was it's uncomfortable. Okay. So Dana he goes, yeah. uh, Gonzalo Inaratu says he culled ideas for all four segments from personal experiences after moving to the U.S. four days before 9-11. He said, with my Turkish looking face, people wondered if I was a terrorist, recalls the director, who has penetrating espresso bean eyes and wild tangle of brown hair. It's the world mm-hmm. we live in now where terrorists have made xenophobia and racism legal. He then decided to incorporate plot lines based on the disenfranchised and dislocated Mexican nanny he hired in L.A. to care for his kids and the intense isolation he perceived in disabled teens he observed while publicizing 21 Grams in Japan. It was a cultural orgy, he says, of, of his decision to take such a global approach to filmmaking. My big fear was that it would end up like four stories about Moroccans, weird Japanese, drunk Mexican, and bad Americans. And... I think that the Japanese thing was, if I were to say, I think that definitely was the weakest thing. However, I did like watching it. Like, I liked watching her. I thought she was a great actress. I th- I could see the sorrow in her eyes, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely very depressing watching her. Obviously grieving her mother obviously in some sort of denial about it and obviously obsessed with having sex when she also obviously wasn't really in a good place to be having sex well she felt ugly she felt like a monster and then she had that one night out where she did drugs and then the guy she wanted a bone made out with her best friend yeah that was sad but also i i mean it was kind of sad but the whole time i was like why do I care? I want to know what's happening in Morocco and Mexico because that's relevant. Yeah, those were much more. Obvious. I think what it was is that no matter what happened in this 
Japanese storyline, no matter what happened, yeah. it wasn't going to affect what happened in in the other storylines. Right. The other three storylines, no way could it affect that. I mean, it was related because the gun came from there, but it would nothing would affect it. it they wouldn't re-engage with it. I know, and so I think that's a little bit jarring, and I think also it's what gives the movie that sort of artsy-fartsy vibe that you talked about at the beginning where it's like it would have just been an intense movie but now we're like having to think more and I think the takeaway I watched this with my boyfriend and I thought about we talked about it for a long time afterwards and I thought about it like throughout the night and I thought about it in the next morning which is I Uh think always a good sign of a good movie because it is you are supposed to think about what that means and I think the point of him so the last shot of the whole movie is the Japanese girl and her father holding hands she's naked on on the balcony i was and for then, a second a little bit worried that they were gonna bump <laughs> i thought that he she was gonna have killed herself so i was relieved oh. when she was still there um but <laughs> you that last she was gonna bone her dad sorry go ahead <laughs> that that last shot was you know the extreme uh backup so like we were in really tight on them and then we go to the extreme 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 wide and you see yeah. all of tokyo and it was like this whole idea of like we're all suffering and we're all like everything fucking sucks basically yeah yeah that's a that's true um Um, but that's just good filmmaking i think that's just good that's just good cinematography telling the story i think is what that was well Um, that's that's what i really like about all of his movies is like he he really is considerate very considerate like every shot i i feel as though is meant to teach me something which i appreciate and you know what I also liked is that bringing it back to Brad. Yeah. Um, which is oh. a phrase that, by the way, I think we say that phrase the most out of any phrase. Yeah. <laughs> bringing it back to Brad. Um, we haven't he, even talked about Brad this whole time. No. Well, because I think that his performance was really good. I really think that good. It was, it didn't feel like, even though he's on the cover and he is kind of the central point of the story. A little um, bit, no. A little. I mean, a little only because he's kind of going to be that he's the catalyst for what's going to he dictates what's going to happen to all the other stories. Um, but he 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 doesn't have that much screen time. He doesn't have more screen time than any other story. And, and I think they both have a total of 20 minutes of screen time. Yeah. And it's it's just it's good. I think that the he it doesn't feel like a Brad Pitt movie, like even though he's a central part of it and he's on the cover of the movie, it's yeah. not his movie and he doesn't carry the movie on his own which and it's interesting you said last week you were like i I don't think we're gonna have to say oh yeah brad pitt's in this movie anymore i did though you did but but yeah but that's the thing i think he's gonna continue to do these roles also uh back going back to inaratu he i think like the scene where she's like writhing on the floor they shot that 65 times in 112 degree heat and So, but there was only one scene that they got on the first take, and that was when Brad cried into the phone, which fucking wow! I Good love job, it right when there. Brad cries. He should always be crying. He should be soaking wet, shirtless, and crying. This is the pits. Brad always be bright, crying. Always be crying, Brad. But he he was really bad when he cried in seven. Not good. I loved it. Loved it. Couldn't anyway. Um. The Oscars that year, something that we keep that we haven't done in a while yeah. is talk about um, the awards 
season around mm. time and sort of what movies were super popular. So this year, uh, The Babel was nominated for Best Picture. So it is relevant to this movie. But so is The Departed, as we said. Um, produced by Brad. Bad, which Brad was B. produced by Brad and Plan B, and which means also produced by Jen. No, uh, it was his company now by this point. She's still part of the company, though, nope. currently, today. Nope. He, she lost it in the divorce. I just read a whole article about this. Oh, okay. Um, well, Little Miss Sunshine was also nominated. Uh, oh, and Little Miss Sunshine won Best Screenplay, which was something that Babel was also nominated for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rinko Kikuchi, who played the Japanese girl in Babel, uh, was nominated and so was what's her name? Amelia. Yeah, Adriana Barraza. And it won for best score. And it was interesting uh, watching it with my partner, who is a composer. He like knew the whole score. He's like, I've oh, studied. Really? He's like, I studied the score. He was like, this is the quintessential Middle Eastern simplistic score. That's really oh, that's fun. cool. Yeah. I I didn't even. Th- I wish I had noticed that. Like, I didn't think about. I didn't think to think about the score so i didn't really notice it but... well you're that's the point of they always say like a good you don't notice a good score yeah but when there's something that is really good like yeah. this was nominated also for best editing and i would have i would have liked to pay a little bit closer attention to the score and the editing so that i could appreciate what i, I really paid heaviest attention to the editing really intensely because of all that those jump like all that jumping back and forth in time and all the changing like from film and and stuff yeah and then music that's a weird thing about my relationship is like i cannot watch a movie without thinking about the music now which is kind of annoying honestly should i break up with him (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) um i also one of my notes that i wrote down was just oh god oh god oh god oh god oh god yeah (laughs) i don't even it was towards the end i don't know what part it was but i think i think it was when she was walking through the desert this movie is just so <laughs> That stressful. was so hard to watch. I was literally, like, I was sweating everywhere, and I couldn't move, and I was just like... Yeah. That moment in the desert, fuck. Really, so really, really get you. Um, have we ever seen him play a dad before? Uh, I don't think we've ever seen him I play a dad. I don't think so. And I think this the timing is, and is really interesting. Gray hair. Gray hair, well, we haven't, we'll get there when we get to our ratings, but... Let me tell you, Mama likey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what else yeah. Mama does not Same. like when she talks like that. That was a nightmare, and I apologize to anyone who's no, still no, listening. I loved it. <laughs> uh, um, I liked that, too. I think I think he's embracing. He's like, look, I'm fucking – how old is he? Like 42, 43 now? He's 42, he's yeah. Like, he's like, look, I'm 42. I'm, a, I'm an actual dad. Yeah. And I, I want to play a dad. I, his life imitates art, man. It's real crazy. It's weird. The jump that is made from Mr. and Mrs. Smith to this yes. is a pretty big jump. I know. And then we have another Oceans. I'm like, I'm ready to be done with Oceans. I feel like that was a different time, a different life. It, it's true. And you know what's funny, too, is like I saw I was watching an interview like at the premiere of Babel where they were like, oh, are you excited for the next Oceans? And he's like, yeah, of course I am. It's just yeah. like hanging out summer with my camp. friends. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's summer camp. Totally. And they're like, when's it coming out? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't care. He's like, but it doesn't matter. It's for, I just get paid a bunch of money to go hang out with my friends. Anyway, um, talk to me about how much it costs to make this movie. I'm curious. I they shot in four countries, right? Uh, yes. Um, it says it only cost twenty five million. How much did he get paid for this? He was making twenty million a pop before. I don't think he got paid twenty five twenty million for this. I think this was a 
because it didn't make that much money either. It's it, it had a limited opening release, um, which it was only at like 20 theaters worldwide mm. when it opened, and it made 389,000 its first weekend. Um, but that's limited. But that's limited. And then um, it was open for a second weekend where it made like 500,000 for its second weekend. Mm. Um, for that's a also pretty good limited. jump. Yeah, not bad, but still limited. And then it had a worldwide open for 5.5 million, which is very low. Wow, but very low. But it it had already been out for two weeks, so the numbers limited. are a little bit wonky. wonky. So the the lumber, numbers are going to be low. And when that happens, I feel like what happens when a movie gets limited theatrical release first is that it doesn't always generate as much buzz as you want it to, yeah. and it it's just like. Film nerds and critics and stuff will go see it and it'll make, you know, 500,000 or whatever for the first two weeks. But then, like, people have been seeing it and they're not really, like, excited to go see it in Kansas, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it was opening against its worldwide release. It opened against um, Borat. Oh, man. And Casino Royale. Oh, both, both huge movies. Yeah. So those movies kind of obliterated this movie so this movie was for film critics and film nerds and stuff like that and it wasn't really like a brad pitt blockbuster but Mm. it it was um it had a good uh domestic gross of 34.3 million so it made its money back domestically which is good and cannot be said for all brad pitt movies no definitely Um, not its worldwide total was 135.3 million um that's pretty good too pretty great so it made its money back, um, assuming that it was a $25 million budget, which is what what I could find. Um, yeah, I think I read that too, actually. It uh, – oh, and did you know the Tower of – the story of Babel from the Bible? Oh, yeah. Uh, I meant to – I was going to ask you if you knew about that. I do. It's Do you know? Yeah, but I'd like to hear it from you because you're a churchgoer. It's – well, I mean – I was also a kid, and the Tower of Babel is is one of those like parables that they tell you just to, um, I don't know, just to illustrate something. And the, but the story is basically that people wanted to build a tower up to God. Right. Like, they wanted it, to reach just, God. They wanted to reach God by building a very tall tower. Which, by the way, those fucking idiots—they're so stupid. I got for news thinking... for you. When I was a child, I was obsessed with building a ladder to the sky so I could sit on a cloud. I still to Aww. this day wish I could do that. You know. That is so pure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so God decides to scramble their words to make it hard for them. Like they were going to get close. God was like, oh, shit, I better do something. They're going to get me. So he scrambles their words, and now they have different languages. That's how different languages came. So they couldn't – oh, that's how different languages came. And so the movie is called Babel because they're speaking four different languages. They're speaking four different languages, but they're all connected and they're all... They can all understand each other in their heart. Yes, I think so. Something like that. Beauty, beauty, beauty. And the Tower of Babel never got completed. Because they couldn't communicate anymore. Because they couldn't communicate. And I think that this this movie never gets... It doesn't... No one gets what they want. No one's happy. That was the one takeaway from this movie. It's like... Even the, like, well-to-do white people are still miserable. Like, basically, life's a piece of shit, and we're all living in it. Babel is a, is a good name for this movie. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so, can I tell you what, my, what the ratings of the world are? Uh, yes, please do. There's an interesting thing, which is normally I've, I've started to read the Ebert review. Yeah. Um, 
And he gave up five stars, four stars. He has a four oh, star well, it's in system. It's in his like all time best hundred movies list. So he loved it, but he didn't really say why. He just like gave a synopsis of the story, and then like, um, that was it. The EW gave it a B, and it was literally two paragraphs. Normally, it's like six paragraphs. This was like, I liked this movie. Could have been better. B. <laughs> They, they didn't like the Japanese storyline either. Um, IMDb oh, gives no. it... Oh, no. Do I agree with them now? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do agree with... They've been kind of spot on the last few weeks. Um, oh, IMDb shit. gives it 7.5 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 69, and so does Metacritic. Both 69, which I thought was kind of low. That is a little a little low. And Google users give it 80%, which is low for Google. Because Google's normally in the 90s. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that? Well, maybe now at this point, people are using Google pretty regularly. No, because I watch them. I stopped talking about them because they're always high. That's I brought it up oh. specifically this week because it's not as high as normally. Normally, Google ratings are like 93%. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. So now tell me, Michael, what did you think of the movie? Um, My rating out of 10. Yeah. Is that what you're asking me? Uh-huh. Oh boy, let's see. Yeah, I will give a it a. I know. Well, now I feel like I need to see. I I oops. I I feel like I need to see all of my ratings of every movie in the past. Yeah. Because I don't want to give it a rating higher than something that I didn't like, and I also don't want to give it a rating lower than something that I sort of didn't like. Yeah. Well, go with your guts. Just talk okay, to me. Okay. Well, you're a human being. You know. Just it's just me and you. It's just me and you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Okay. Would you like to do any justification? You don't have to. Just curious. Uh, that's just my gut. That's just like what I want to say. Okay, I don't great. know why. I feel like. That's a high score. It's a pretty high score. Yeah, it's a pretty high score. I just didn't really get the Japanese storyline and I felt like it was a little long, but I always feel like that when a movie is longer than two hours. So. Yeah. I, my gut's say seven i'm gonna give it an eight because i think that the consideration of the filmmaking was really great i think that um the editing was really great the music was really great and i thought that just the sheer effort of making it was worth a little bit more points and i liked i mean i see what you're saying about the japanese storyline it didn't need to be there but it was there and I did like it. I did like watching that. That's fair. And that's a yeah, totally that's just like a person. That's like a personal choice thing. Like I get it logically. There's a few plot holes where I'm like, fuck this, which is why it's not getting a 10. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I also, you know, every movie that we've watched over two hours, I've been like dying for it to be over. And I thought this one was the perfect length for what it was. So that's so funny because I literally wrote down a note that says I constantly want this movie to be over. But I think it's only <laughs> because I was so stressed out. Oh, my and God. like it was hard. That's the. But it's like, a hard like movie wanted... to watch. It's not an easy thing to watch. No, it's not. It's it. It's the sort of feeling that you get when you watch like Kids or something. Yeah, or, or Requiem. Like... I just kept thinking of Requiem. Requiem. Yeah, yeah Requ or Black Swan. Oh, yeah, I love Black Swan. Which is funny because Darren Aronofsky and Brad Pitt have creative differences. Brad Pitt was going to be in one of Darren Aronofsky's movies. Um, the Tree of Life. The Fountain. The Fountain. Tree of Life. The the, I tree think of it was The Fountain. Um, and he didn't because they had creative differences, which is interesting because then he did this movie, which feels like a Darren Aronofsky movie. Kind well, of. it feels like an interrupted movie, but, it, you know, anyway. It's, it's artsy. Yeah, I think this is definitely the most intense movie we've seen of his, for sure. Like, real intense that causes real yeah. emotion. Yeah, 
And I think he, okay, so now that brings us to Brad's performance, which I think he okay. really did a great job. I'm going to give him a nine. A nine? Yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm going to give him a nine too. That was a great performance. It was a One great of his best performance. Ever. And I loved just a sprinkle of him, you know? And I loved, I just felt like he was in that role in a real way. And when I was reading an article with Inaratu saying, you know, they were like, it's so dangerous because like, basically everybody else is unknown in this movie except for Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt. And he was like, I needed to make sure over and over and over again that people didn't realize they were watching Brad Pitt. And I think that they succeeded at that. I agree. Yeah. Cause he wasn't acting like he ever has before. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because Inaratu really just broke him down as a person. Inaratu <laughs> broke him down, but he was a father, but like, but also this was, a, it was just, I think it was a nice combination of things going on in his life yeah. that really yeah. did it well. And I don't think that Inaratu would have let him get away with it if he didn't. So who's to say? Now, the question of the hour. Oh, I'm going to cut that out. Now, the question no, of the hour. <laughs> Chelsea just saying, Chelsea just saying really loud. And so she can't cut it out because now I'm talking about it. Um, <laughs> cut that out too, but I won't now that it's a thing. Um, <laughs> Okay, I, I am going to give him a nine for his looks because I I think we're past the point of leaving room for improvement. I think it's all downhill from here. Mm. I think last week I gave him a 10. I think this week I'm giving him a nine because I think he looks fucking good with his uh, goddamn gray hair. Damn, goddamn, does he look good with that gray hair because he still has the young face with the gray hair. Now he's old. Yep. Like in this world, in 2019, he's old. But then he wasn't old. I am not going to give him a nine and I'll tell you why. And this is not his fault, but for the sake of the podcast, his under eye bags were so fake looking. Oh, I didn't even notice that. His wrinkles in his under eye bags were so obviously makeup to me Mm. that I have to peg it down to an 8.5. However, if I were to marry fuck kill Brad's of all the Brad's, I think I'd fuck this Brad. Gray haired Brad. Should we play Mary fuck kill of all the Brad's? No, we should play that at the very, very end. Oh, my God. We can revisit the Mary Fuck Kill. I feel like we've done a lot. I don't think this movie merits a Mary Fuck Kill, but I'm just saying, like, the next time we do a few of the Brads, I would like for this to be in the in the running because I would fuck the shit out of him. Let's do Mary Fuck Kill of the nanny, the <laughs> Japanese girl, and Kate Blanchett. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would fuck the fucking Japanese girl just to put her out of her misery, honestly. <laughs> I would kill her to put her out of her misery. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you weren't turned on by that huge muff? <laughs> no, I wasn't. Like, she's straight up, for those who haven't seen it, she <laughs> is at a fucking mall, like a shopping mall. And she goes to the bathroom, <laughs> takes her panties off, and then goes back to the food court and just spreads her legs for guys who just all, like, stare at her vagine. And it's yeah. really intense. You have to look at it, too, by the way. Anyway. It's really intense, but I thought it was great that we also had to look at her vagina. Like, it wasn't alluded oh, really? to. We saw that it. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, I thought it was, like, a, a conscious and considerate thing. I guess it's jarring. It's jarring. That, the point is, is that it is jarring. Yeah, In jarring. public or in a movie. And so, like, we are, I guess. Nobody yeah, wants right. to see private parts Straight of anybody. Vagina. Nobody wants to see, like, random, like, random sex parts. Incorrect. I always want to see someone's dick (laughs) yeah well not on the subway like a homeless person okay you're right um i always want to see someone's dick too honestly like when a guy is in like running shorts and you can just fully see the outline you're gonna look i mean i'm gonna watch to see it that's different than someone exposing themselves to you because 
somebody exposing yeah. themselves to you is violating. That's true. Yeah. I mean, at least for me. True. I mean, whatever. Whatever floats your fucking boat. I don't give a shit. Anyway, I would I would fuck her. Okay. I would I would have to kill the Mexican, I guess. And I would marry Kate Blanchett. I mean, hmm. come on, you have to marry Kate Blanchett. You're gonna fuck the Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm definitely killing the Japanese girl because she is uh, annoying. Um, <laughs> I guess it. I guess I would. Uh, uh, but the Mexican lady, she seems so nice and so sweet. Like I feel like I could really spend a, a long time with her and not be annoyed by her. Kate Blanchett should cook for I, you too. I don't think Kate cooks. To be honest, I don't think Kate does jack shit. I think <laughs> I would fuck her in her in her wound. I would fuck her shoulder Ooh, hole. Hot. And Sexual. then I would marry uh, the nanny. Great. I think that's great. You know what? Maybe I'll marry the nanny and kill Kate. Yeah, that would be great, too. I sure as hell ain't marrying the Japanese girl. Kidding me? No, absolutely Signing not. Signing up for a life of torment. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I would kill her. I, don't, I would kill her, but I don't know if I'd be able to. She might kill herself before I could get to her. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and thus concludes Babel. Wait, let's do Mary Fuck Kill with the two kids and their dad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's next week? Ocean's 13? Ocean's 13 with Joe. If we can get Joe. I think Joe's like traveling the world playing poker. So we'll have to see if he's even available. Yeah, Joe's doing performances with Norm MacDonald right now, which is wild. Yeah, he's killing it. So next week's Ocean's 13. And then it's the assassination of Jesse Jabe, which I'm so excited about because it's my favorite time in history. Yeah. I'm sorry right, for great. singing so much this episode. And I'll see you all next week. Deuces. Deuces and traces. <laughs>